Hello, and welcome to the third episode of the Drive Team Podcast. My name is Winston. And my name is Ev. We are your hosts on the podcast all about VEX Robotics. In every episode, we will be talking with a member of the VEX community about their journey and experiences. They will talk about their years as a participant or their time as a coach and share some insight into the world of VEX Robotics. Today, we'll be talking to James Harris, former competitor and robotics coach. He has been involved in robotics for around 15 years and has even coached a world-winning VexIQ team. Let's hear about James's journey. Hi, James. It's nice talking to you again, and welcome to the Drive Team. How are you doing today? Good, thank you. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So... To start off, tell us a bit about yourself and what you have done in robotics. Okay. Uh, my name is James Harris. I'm 25 and uh, I live just outside Toronto, Canada. Uh, I started robotics when I was in 10th or 9th grade in high school, mm -hmm. uh, which was about 15 years ago now. Wow. And uh, I've been actively in and out of robotics uh, ever since, for the most part, as a competitor and a coach, but also as a referee in my off years. Uh, so I competed, I think, a total of uh, four years as a competitor and then five years as a coach and now two years as a referee. Wow, that's a really long time. <laughs> so you mentioned that you started robotics in high school. Why did you start? Mm -hmm. Um, I sort of started, I, I started in a robotics class, a tech class, and uh, I found myself being, it was a Lego Technic class from back in like the NXT Mindstorm days, the early days of NXT Mindstorm. And I found myself being pretty good at the uh, competitions that were taking place in the class, which were just like small things like, you know, pushing books off of a table or like just like learning simple torque and simple speed ratios and stuff like that. And I found myself being pretty good and winning a lot of them. And one of the teachers uh, kept coming to me and saying, you know, there's this robotics team, you should try it out. Uh, you know, I think you'd be really good at it. And I was kind of avoiding it because I was like, you know, I, I was new to the school and I was not sure what I wanted to do. And, you know, should I go into sports or sort of what sort of impact do I want to have in the school? And, you know, I think a lot of people at first are sort of hesitant to get into robotics because they don't really know what it's about. But I eventually gave it a try and uh, kind of immediately fell in love with it, especially the driving aspect, because I grew up playing a lot of video games. Uh, so on my first day at the club, they let me drive one of the robots that had already built been built for the season, which was for the gateway uh, game, which is a very old game from 2012. Um, and it was a pretty simple claw, bob, but just being able to drive it, I kind of got a natural feel for um, the controls and sort of how it, it moved a lot, almost like a human and how you could sort of engage the different parts of the robot as if it was like a, a human arm or a wrist or a hand. Um, and I kind of fell in love with it very quickly. So I think it became a bit of an addiction and I found myself going every day for many hours and, you know, on my lunch breaks. Yes. And uh, I think that's something that a lot of people who are in robotics can really relate to is just this feeling that every spare minute needs to be spent on robotics. Cause it's just something that you can kind of fall in love with. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I've spent a really long time on robotics throughout <laughs> my years as well. <laughs> it's definitely fun though. So what was it like being competitor in high school? And do you have any notable highlights? Um, yeah, high school was very challenging with our school because we were a um, locally funded public high school. So there wasn't 
too much money. Like it wasn't funded through the school board or it was all internally funded through sponsorships that the students kind of went out and got themselves. Um, so it was a pretty low budget team with one to two robots running off uh, min minimal parts. And because of that, uh, we faced a lot of challenges. So it took us two years to initially qualify for Worlds. Um, once we did finally qualify for Worlds in our uh, toss-up season, we really put a, pri uh, a focus on the skills aspect. So we, we realized that that was probably our most likely way of qualifying for the World Championships was through the programming skills. Because uh, at that time, back then, skills were completely separate, programming and driver. So you could qualify through programming or driver, not necessarily both combined. Uh, so we, we specialized in the programming skills and we really focused on making sure that our route would be good enough to get us to Worlds. And it was a really good achievement for us to finally make two teams qualify for Worlds that year. Um, and when we finally did make it to Worlds, uh, we ended up coming, we were first for almost the entire week and then we ended up placing, I think, third in programming skills. So that was pretty cool for us because at that point, that was definitely like our peak. And since then, I've definitely had achievements that I'm quite proud of that maybe would necessarily be bigger. But at the time, that was definitely like the peak of our high school years. Yeah. <laughs> Competing in VEX is really fun. So which, what year did you start competing again? What game was it? Uh, 2012, Gateway. Oh, gateway. Oh, yeah. Well, after you transitioned into becoming a coach, so how did you become a coach and why did you become a coach? So after uh, Nothing But Net, which was my year with the VEXU team NAR or North American Robotics, I uh, took a year off where I was just kind of seeing if I wanted to stay involved in VEX. And at the time, you know, I was looking for a job and uh kind of trying to find a way that I could still be a part of it because I was still very passionate and finding myself, uh, you know, active on all the forums and talking in all the chat groups and just wanting to, to give back and be, be more involved. And I just couldn't find a way. So in the year of 2017, uh, I returned to my high school and I volunteered as a coach uh, with Team 2560 for In The Zone and was able to travel to Worlds with them and sort of uh, start to dip my toes into what coaching could be just in the, in the, uh, in the t more in the strategical side of just sharing my knowledge of, uh, you know, when it comes to actual match strategy and how you can have those competitive edges, um, not necessarily mechanically or, uh, programming wise, but just in driving style and, uh, sort of outsmarting your opponents on the field. Yeah. And, that was something that I really enjoyed and being able to have those like team meetings on the days before the matches and uh, learning that I was really sort of comfortable talking to the students and really enjoying it was something that kind of led to my eventual job in teaching and coaching, which would be the 2018 season, which is when I joined Dr. X Academy as a coach. Oh yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I got that job through a friend of mine who was already a teacher there. Uh, he had, I had been sort of a consultant for Ryerson university, uh, helping them a little bit with some questions they had about their robot for their VEXU team. And he had mentioned, you know, this guy has helped me. Maybe he could come teach for us. So they, they offered me an interview and I came in and told them kind of what I knew. And they had just sort of started up their VEX team for nine, 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 zero, zero was their team number. Yeah. And they brought me on and we actually, we won quite a few tournaments in a row and then made it to worlds where our uh, IQ team won the world championships in both skills and teamwork and our uh, VEX robotics team made it to the top 16. Mm -hmm. Well, that's nice. Thanks. But any other highlights from 
being a coach throughout the years? Um, I would just say I've had a really great opportunity to coach a lot of different teams over the years. I've, I've worked with, I guess, three different organizations and all of them have been to worlds. And I just, I, I think it's really cool. Um, sort of seeing every time the one thing about worlds is when you get to worlds for the first time, it's sort of always much larger than anyone anticipates. And I think it's really rewarding as a coach to take students for the first time and sort of see their reaction to walking into the world championships. Mm -hmm. Um, and as much as it's great, like, yes, we have won world titles now. And like, that's very rewarding as a coach. And I'm sure any coach can speak to this. Uh, I think it's just really rewarding to see the work pay off for the students. Um, cause I remember how, how it felt when it paid off for me. So, um, I, I think honestly, the biggest reward is watching the hard work pay off for all the different competitors. <laughs> yeah. Remember change up worlds? It was kind of yes. stuck. <laughs> yes, I remember. <laughs> yeah. That was fun. That was funny though. Um, <laughs> everything was virtual. So yeah, that was a challenge for sure. Yeah. Sounds like you were a great coach. Thank you. In your many years in VEX, what are some different perspectives you had comparing when you were a competitor to when you were a coach? Okay. Um, so being a competitor was great because uh, obviously you have this like urge to win and your your focus is always sort of on the, the prize and the finish line. But I think as a coach, uh, it becomes a lot more about making sure the students are learning from their experiences. And I think that was something that I really didn't take to heart when I was competing is I wasn't really um, as much processing exactly what I was learning. And it was great that I was learning things and that I did take them to heart. And I was able to kind of pass them on to students when I became a coach. Uh, but you don't really um, put as much thought into the actual like, you know, engineering design process and the notebook and what you're actually getting out of that stuff until you're put into like real world environments where that sort of note taking and documenting uh, and document keeping is sort of important. And I sort of learned that a lot more when I got into like the workspace. And I think that that sort of stuff really does hold a lot of value. And I think uh, being able to pass it on to the students was something I hadn't really processed as, as a competitor, but I learned a lot more about as a coach. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe I'll become a coach in the future as well for Vex. <laughs> That'd be a great idea. <laughs> yeah. It was definitely interesting to hear your different perspectives. So adding on to that, um, how do you think Vex has changed throughout the years? Um, there's been a lot that changed both in like the way the competition flows. Um, but also sort of, you know, the, like the, the general rules of the game have changed, of course, like, you know, um, I'm sure we'll go a little bit deeper into it, but as some people may know, uh, things like three team alliances used to be a thing. Um, yeah. So back, back in the original Vex years, I forget what year it ended. Uh, I think it might've been like maybe 2017 or 18, even maybe that late. Uh, it used to be three team alliances in the playoffs. So you would, everybody, it would only be the eight teams that would make alliance selection. And then they would go through and pick one team and then they would go back to the number one team and they would pick another team and you would pick, play two teams at a time and you would like bench one of your teams, but three teams in each alliance would compete. Um, and that was removed for the later best of one sixteen team uh, playoffs, but that sort of came from what used to be best of three. And I think a lot of people like that more, but uh, that's definitely something that changed and it definitely shocked the community at the time. But 
I feel like people have really settled into the best of one and it may be for the better because it does sort of speed things along a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's definitely one change that came. Uh, Other than that, you know, there was just a, an early era of like one of a kind, unique designs that sort of stuck out. And I feel like you don't see that anymore where usually, you know, there is the meta, but back then there, there always seemed to be a couple designs in the early years of Vex that could survive and compete and, you know, go deep in worlds that people were either almost like too scared to try and replicate or, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe they just were like almost non-believers that it could be so good. <laughs> and it was always really uh, cool to see one team being Team 44, Green Egg Robotics. I've always, like in all the years that I competed against them, they were just so much fun to compete with because they never showed up with the meta. They always showed up with something completely out of the ordinary that you would never expect to work. And, you know, if, he, if it was built by anyone but them, you just laugh at it. And you're <laughs> like, this is never going to work. But somehow they just make deep runs every year. They either win worlds or make a deep push in programming skills. And it was just incredible to watch. And you couldn't ever cheer against them because it was a homeschooled team that just, I think they were completely or mostly family funded. And it was just, uh, they were just crazy good. And it was so much fun to compete alongside them. And uh, I think that teams like that, I'm sure they exist, but they certainly aren't as like prominent and just like overly dominant. Like they maybe were in the very early years of Vex. Yeah, definitely. I think even this season, there's not really a lot of like too much differences, but like a really unique robot. Mm-hmm, <laughs> exactly. Seeing like either it's flywheel or catapult, one right. or the one or the other. There's not right. like something too much. Maybe that mm-hmm. has something to do with the game rules, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that definitely could be a factor. Um, mm-hmm. And touching on that, that was something that in the early years. I think, you know, it was almost like Vex was learning with the students. They were sort of trying to, uh, you know, find their feet and try and figure out, you know, where do we need to beef up the rules and where can we loosen the rules? And a good example of that is actually with Green Egg Robotics. Uh, In the early years, there was a uh, game, it's escaped me right now. Uh, It was called Clean Sweep, I believe in 2011 or maybe 2010. And it was sort of an early year version of Starstruck. The, the, uh, the idea of the game was to get all the, the balls onto the other side of the fence. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the idea was sort of just to get all the objects out of your zone. Uh, but nobody actually said that the balls had to go to the other side of the field. So mm-hmm. what Green X Robotics was doing was they were taking the balls and just throwing them off the field. <laughs> and there was no rule that they would be returned to the field after they'd been removed. Huh. So at the end of every Green Eggs match, there would just be like 50 balls all over the floor around the field. And they would win because there would be nothing on their side. So it was like these early uh, games of Vex where the rules hadn't really properly been defined. It was mm-hmm. sort of like too late to change the rules. So teams were finding a way to sort of find these little loopholes in the rules. And it was sort of really interesting because it was like, whoever found the best loophole would win. Huh. That's a really interesting story. Throwing things yeah. out of the field. <laughs> there was no rule like against 
intentional throwing stuff out too. No, so this is wow. long before any of those rules oh. came along. So there was no <laughs> rules against intentionally removing things from the field. Uh, before, or I think right after that was Roundup, which had the big ladder in the middle of the field. <laughs> and uh, they would pick up these heavy mobile goals and put them inside the ladder so the other team couldn't take them out. They were always like crazy good at just finding these <laughs> like, like irreversible point scoring, if you will. Oh, interesting. <laughs> That being said, mm -hmm. do you have like a favorite um, comp like event or competition? I would say one of my favorite events would definitely be the middle. Uh, funnily enough, it would be the middle school competition for uh, the Kalahari Classic in 2019. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and the reason for that is it's actually very funny. Um, I believe this might be slightly inaccurate, but it, it, it's pretty much point on that the record for that team, the 839 Z team that I was coaching at the time leading up to that tournament, their match record was something along the lines of like four and 50 or something like they had just lost so many games. Like it was, you could tell they were just like so discouraged and they'd been working so hard and they were just like, man, like we just can't catch a break. And they showed up to Kalahari and we'd just done a rebuild and we sort of, uh, you know, put a lot of thought into how we were going to, um, focus up for this and they went out and they went undefeated and came first mm. in, the, in, in the division and just <laughs> yeah. wiped everyone. And it was just like the disbelief in, in their faces and even kind of in the coaches faces, like our own faces at like what had just happened and to go first overall after just getting wiped for the whole first half of the season was just like incredible. And it was such a nice relief. And even though they, they didn't end up going all the way in the tournament, it was just like, I think it was the real turning point they needed, um, Pun intended. For, um, for they needed for their season, so mm -hmm. I, I think it really turned around. You know, sometimes you just need that one moment to really uh, lift your spirits, and I think it did a lot for that team uh, moving forward. Because I think that was it was your first year, right? Yeah, yeah. So year. as a first year <laughs> team, um, I think you you need a moment like that because yeah. you know if you especially you know if you've just come to robotics for the first time and you just cannot win a match and you're getting destroyed at these tournaments that are typically middle school and high school teams together it's it's very hard to find your feet so mm -hmm. that was a really uh standout moment for me uh, another one would definitely be the next level world championships just being in the dome and watching that final drive route when they when they won the world championships uh was really cool there's just there's a moment that ended up in one of the commercials where the one of my students uh, like lifts his hands into the air and just like oh. looks up and I just, <laughs> I'll never forget that moment. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. Being in the dome is really fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. Kalahari, that competition was really fun. <laughs> I remember mm -hmm. we stayed up to like, I don't know, three filming a reveal video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. In the lobby. That was a lot of uh -huh. fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would definitely, anyone who has never gone to a signature event, I would definitely recommend it. It's the closest thing you're going to get to worlds if you can't get to worlds. So mm -hmm. it's definitely something to experience if you've never been to one. <laughs> yeah. Calorie is fun. Cause like mm -hmm. there's a water park. And then right. I remember this person like not in Vex, they're like walking around and then they saw the, the Vex, um, Vex competition, like, promotion posters and they're mm -hmm. like hmm, robotics competition in a water park who thought that was a good idea <laughs> uh, yeah it is an interesting choice but mm -hmm. it worked good it was a lot of fun yeah yeah um so after all these years of coaching how come you decided to like stop coaching for a while i guess and become a referee um i think i just kind of decided that maybe i'd take a break from things and sort of 
look at other options for like a career path. Mm -hmm. So at this time, I, you know, I'd been doing both coaching and working in the music industry and I'd been doing a lot for both. Um, So I, I still am very obviously very active in the robotics community and very interested in continuing. And I'm even, you know, I've been consulting on the side for some teams whenever, you know, they have questions or, you know, I'm obviously happy to help anyone that has questions Uh, just sort of focusing on, you know, my, my other work, but uh, I think that refereeing is a great middle ground. It's an ability for me to, you know, on my open weekends and available schedule, uh, give back and volunteer and sort of have an involvement in the competition aspect while still being able to work a full-time job and, uh, you know, keep on with, I guess, my adult life. (laughs) But uh, yeah, obviously I'm sure as you know, I do very much love VEX and I don't see myself ever really giving up on that. So uh, I plan to be involved with it for the foreseeable future. Yeah. So this is the part of the podcast where we ask each guest, what their favorite moment of all time is while competing in VEX Robotics or in your case, also probably mentoring as well. So what's your favorite part of your journey? Um, there is a couple. I think one weird moment that is actually in the grand scheme of things holds no weight to anything, <laughs> but it's just like this moment of just like, random hard like work paying off was there's a match in VexU uh from 2015 which was North American Robotics against Bots and Stuff and at the time uh Bots and Stuff as I guess maybe it's not as general knowledge anymore but Bots and Stuff was like the pinnacle of like that era of Vex it was like all the you know, the people running the discords or like the Skype groups, you know, Mm -hmm. like Tabor and like Jordan and like all these people who, you know, were like the big players in Vex and NAR was sort of the other group like that. And I just Um. remember everyone had seen that this match was coming and like all the people came to watch this match. Like the seats were completely full and you couldn't see like all around the field was just flooded with people. And we didn't even have a lift in this game. You had to like lift your teammates robot. And I just remember the night before we built this like super janky lift, which was basically like a C channel that was like held down by a pneumatic piston with like hundreds of elastics. So that basically when you pulled the piston, the C channel would like with the elastic shoot up super, super strong. And it lifted the other robot like into the air. And we remember we had never tested it and we didn't think it was going to work at all. And there was just this like last moment, last ditch effort where we were losing by just a few points and we fired the lift. And I just remember like this moment of it finally lifting the robot and everybody just, it like, was the craziest <laughs> roar of people because nobody expected it to work and it worked and we won by like just a few points. And it was like, it just felt like that honestly felt like one of my biggest wins ever was like that match for some reason. It was just like super cool, but definitely I think beyond that, the the best moment has to be the next level world, like oh, in yeah. the dome. That win is, I think takes the cake. Yeah. It's like, that's probably four, like four world titles in one week is pretty incredible. So like, I'm, I'm very proud of the kids for that yeah, one. That is absolutely amazing <laughs> winning <laughs> uh, at Worlds. Yeah. 
Yeah, so what advice would you give to competitors or mentors who are participating right now? To competitors, I would say that the number one, I mean, this is sort of common knowledge and I I guess everybody sort of knows this, but they don't really take it to heart is like the number one thing that is going to pay off in competitive robotics is just the amount of time you put in. Like you have to put the hours in and the teams that are really uh, the most successful are the ones that are putting in all the extra time. And it's like the drivers have to be willing to put in like hours of driving drills and just practicing and practicing. Like you should be able to do, to drive your routes, like with your eyes closed and the programmers, you know, uh, one thing that really, really struck stuck out to me one time was I went to visit the pylons who everybody should know is like one of the best teams mm-hmm. ever. And uh, <laughs> luckily I'm, I'm a great friend of the program and you know, they're great people and they've done a lot for me. Um, is I remember going to their club one time and they were running autonomous and in my head and in probably most people's heads, their autonomous heads, they, they were running this crazy autonomous, just amazing run. And they were running it over and over and over again. And it was working and working and working. And one time it didn't work. And I'm sure to most people, they'd be like, oh, it just didn't work. And then they'd run it again. They would work. They'd be like, okay, no problem. But like, it didn't work this one time. And like, you would have thought the world had ended. Like they just sat down and they just got down to figuring out like, how could this possibly be? Like, there has to be a reason that this one time it failed. Even if it's one out of like 20 times, how can we make sure that this doesn't happen? Like, how can we make sure that it's 20 out of 20 or 30 out of 30 or 50 out of 50? And it's like, there is a reason that it failed this one time. So, you know, don't just like take for granted that like, oh, nine out of 10 times it works. You, You just need to like put in all the extra time and like work to fix everything and perfect everything. And like, it does pay off, you know, um, the extra driving hours will work, you know, rebuilding that one thing that doesn't work just right. Or, uh, you know, even just going over match strategies the night before for an hour or two, uh, you know, it all pays off because if you put in the work that the other team doesn't, you're probably going to win the match. Mm, yeah. And scouting. And scouting. <laughs> I, I always say scouting. Scouting is like, it's, it's not as big as it used to be when it was three team alliances, but scouting is very underrated. It's, it's, it re- it's really important. Yes. Especially picking the correct team for alliance selection. That's right. That's uh-huh. right. The, the best seated team is not always the best fit for your <laughs> yeah. robot. Well, that's some great advice. Um, I think it'll definitely help people who are involved in VEX currently. Um, but unfortunately, <laughs> that brings us to the end of this episode. But thank you so much for talking with us, James. It was a pleasure having thank you, you for having on the me. podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I appreciate your time. James's experience as a competitor and a world's winning coach. His experience shows that if you put in the work, it will pay off in the end. We hope you enjoyed this episode and remember to follow the podcast on your platform of choice so you won't miss future releases. We also have a website at thedrivegame.ca where you can listen on other platforms and share with your friends. That's all for this episode and thank you for joining us on the Drive Team Podcast.